Welcome to Sharp Waves, a podcast from the International League Against Epilepsy. Our episodes cover epilepsy research, clinical care, career development, and issues in diagnosis and treatment from around the globe. Dr. Raphael Mishulam was an organic chemist at the Hebrew University of Jerusalem and the father of cannabis research. His team was the first to elucidate the structure of cannabidiol, or CBD. Dr. Mishulam passed away in March 2023. This episode is a remastering of a conversation between Dr. Mishulam and Dr. Meyer Bialer, held in 2018 at the 13th European Congress on Epileptology. They spoke about the endocannabinoid system and the effects of cannabinoids in epilepsy and other conditions. Here's Dr. Meyer Bialer. Cannabis in general and cannabidiol has become in recent years a very hot potato in CNS area and in particularly in the field of epilepsy. Can you please tell us how did you start uh, uh, almost, you know, more than 50 years ago? You, what triggered you, what your research, extensive research and well-known in cannabis pharmacology and chemistry, please. Uh, I'm a natural products chemist. I'm interested in the chemistry of natural products, mostly from plants. And um, I was surprised to find out, to uh, read uh, the literature, that while morphine had been isolated from opium uh, 150 years previously, more or less, and cocaine had been isolated again, more or less 100 years previously, the chemistry of cannabis was not well known. And although some uh, very distinguished chemists had worked on it, the compound, the actual active compound or compounds, had never been isolated in pure form, and the structure was uh, um, not known. So therefore, in order to go ahead and do the pharmacology, the physiology, and the clinical trials, one had to have a strong chemical basis. So that's why we started uh, uh, my group, uh, started looking at uh, the chemistry of cannabinoids. And that was in 1963, 1964. Our first paper was on the structure of cannabidiol. We established the structure of cannabidiol. And uh, a little bit later, we isolated for the first time, I believe, THC in pure form and elucidated its structure. Now, it turned out that there are a, a, a lot of compounds of the same type Today we know that there are about 100 compounds of the same type. We isolated most of the major ones, but they didn't turn out to be psychoactive. The only one that was psychoactive was tetrahydrocannabinol, THC. The second compound I was talking about is cannabidiol, which is uh, found at uh, high levels in most cannabinoid uh, mixtures, this compound turned over the years to be of extreme interest. We found, a few years later, after a lot of uh, preclinical work in rats and mice, that it has, amongst other things, an anti-epileptic properties. Both compounds, both THC and cannabidiol, have uh, anti-epileptic activity. However, Cannabidiol can be given at very high doses because it causes no side effects. It does not cause any uh, undesirable effects. 
THC above a certain uh, dose, and uh, initially for people that have never used ca- cannabis, 5 milligrams can cause side effects. And therefore, we are not interested in uh, THC as an anti-epileptic drug because that uh, above a certain level, there are too many side effects, too many effects that we're not interested in. Cannabidiol, by comparison, which is at least as active as THC, probably much more, can be given at very high doses. And we know that the activity in animals, at least, is certainly dose-dependent. Now, usually, the uh, research that was done in the U.S. and and, uh, uh, in the U.K. was done on material that had been left aside. It had been uh, uh, found by the police or uh, to other means. The material had been laid aside, and THC had slowly oxidized to cannabinol. So cannabinol was discovered, but it's not a natural product. Cannabidiol actually had been isolated by Roger Adams in the U.S. in the 30s and uh, um, by Alex Todd, Lord Todd, at the same time, more or less, but the structure was not known. So we elucidated the structure of cannabidiol, and we also isolated THC in a pure form for the first time. So there is a somewhat of a difference between these two compounds. And also, I think it's worth emphasizing that in the cannabis sativa, the natural herb itself, all those cannabinoids we are talking, cannabidiol, THC, are exist as their analogous carboxylic acid, right? And upon, uh, and what happened? How this decarboxylation of the formation of the cannabidiol, the THC that are used medically, occurs? It is occur upon storage or in a chemical reaction? Well, the the plant, cannabis sativa, actually does not produce either THC or cannabidiol. It produces their precursors. These are uh, acids, phenolic acids, uh, but these compounds are not stable. Just by staying on the plant or in the extract, they slowly convert into CBD, if one starts from cannabidiol acid, or from THC acid into THC. Now, this is the reason that these acids, which are actually the natural products, have not been investigated thoroughly because they uh, break down. Over the last uh, few years, we have been looking at these acids by making them stable. By a chemical, uh, small chemical modification, it is possible to make them stable, which we published, and we found out that these acids or their stable products, are active. We don't know yet whether they are active in epilepsy because we haven't looked at epileptic models. Now that we have these compounds, uh, we shall try to see whether these natural products, the actual natural products of the cannabinoids are potent or more potent than uh, cannabidiol itself or THC. So far, we have found that uh, cannabidiolic acid, methyl ester, the stable precursor of cannabidiol, is uh, an anti-anxiety compound, and we have seen also that it, is, uh, uh, it works in pain. How do you explain that in cannabidiol and THC were discovered or their chemical structure was elucidated by you and your co-worker 
in the early 60s, while the endocannabinoid, the two known endocannabinoids, were discovered only 30 years after. People did not look uh, in a target way for that, or it was difficulties to, to isolate. Was it a conception or the idea to isolate this endocannabinoid that exists in every human being? Well, there was no conception, really. It, uh, the mechanism of THC action was not known. And uh, people thought that maybe it's a general thing, and therefore they, uh, it was generally believed that cannabinoid, the plant cannabinoids, in particular THC, does not act in the body through a specific mechanism, but it's a kind of a general a, a compound that has general effects by uh, solubilizing the membranes or something of that sort. Well, it turned out that this is wrong. We did some work on that aspect, and we found that the, most probably the cannabinoids, the plant cannabinoids or THC, act on a specific, through a specific mechanism. And indeed, in uh, Alan Howlett in the U.S. Uh, in the mid-80s, discovered a receptor, and later a second receptor was discovered. Now, receptors don't exist because uh, there is a plant out there. Uh, receptors exist because we, through compounds that are made in our body, activate them. So we went ahead looking for the compounds that activate the cannabinoid receptors. And uh, we managed to identify a compound which activates these receptors in 1992. Uh, we called it anandamide. What's, why you called it anandamide? Well, based on the word ananda in Sanskrit meaning supreme joy. And so we called it anandamide. Amide is uh, part of the structure. Now, from a chemical point of view, uh, anandamide and THC are completely different. But they do the same. So uh, they have the same activity, but a completely different chemical structure. A second compound was found by our group a couple of years later, and it turned out to be very closely related to anandamide, but it was an ester, and uh, it is known today as 2-AG. So these two compounds are actually the cannabinoids in our body, and THC mimics their effects. These two compounds activate the receptors, the two types of receptors, and uh, all the effects that we know of THC, THC actually mimics their activity. And the activity of these two compounds is uh, very large. As a matter of fact, the receptors in the brain, the cannabinoid receptors in the brain, are probably at higher levels. There are more cannabinoid receptors in the brain than any other receptor known. And these compounds are of extreme importance. They are not formed and wait for something to happen in order to activate the receptors. They are formed when and where needed. They activate the receptors, and this is how they act. And we have uh, discovered quite a large number of effects. There are uh, many, many groups throughout the world that are working uh, and are discovering many types of effects that are caused by the endogenous cannabinoids. And indeed, in a recent 
review, eminent scientists at NIH, published that the endocannabinoid system uh, is involved in essentially all human diseases. This is a very, very strong statement, but it seems to be correct. And uh, today we know that the endocannabinoid system, namely the receptors, the endogenous cannabinoids, the enzymes that form these endogenous cannabinoids, the enzymes that break down these endogenous cannabinoids, they are involved in uh, uh, many, many physiological reactions and therefore in many disease states. We know that we have Sativex on the market, which is a a combination of THC and cannabidiol in very low dose, 2.5, 2.4 milligram. But now that cannabidiol just got FDA approval, hopefully we'll get the correct scheduling of four or five uh, that will allow its free marketing. Uh, What do you see the next discipline where we can have cannabinoid either synthetic and, or, or, or phytocannabinoid. A, a, in epilepsy. A, a, not a, in epilepsy or related areas. Well, many of the natural products that are known to be active are not sold for a long period of time as such. In many cases, derivatives are made and they are sold. For example, penicillin. You cannot buy penicillin anymore. You can buy a derivative of penicillin. You cannot buy corticosteroids, cortisone. You can buy a derivative of cortisone. So chances are that over the next uh, uh, decade, derivatives of cannabidiol will be found, which are more active. One doesn't have to use very high doses. And uh, chances are that such compounds will be on the market. But at the moment, I'm not aware of any uh, synthetic cannabidiol, which uh, is in clinical tests as uh, uh, anti-epilepsy drug. I believe that over the next decade or maybe 15 years, uh, we shall have quite a lot of new cannabinoid drugs for a variety of diseases, certainly for epilepsy. Probably the epileptic drugs will be the first one, whether they are natural products like cannabidiol, but maybe also derivatives. And I have no doubt that uh, uh, this field will expand to a very large extent as a major field of therapeutic uh, properties. And uh, as we speak today of corticosteroids, we shall probably speak in 10 years to the same extent and endocannabinoids and endocannabinoid derivatives. Thanks for listening to Sharpwaves. Our content is meant for informational purposes only and not as medical or clinical advice. The International League Against Epilepsy is the world's preeminent association of health professionals and scientists working toward a world where no person's life is limited by epilepsy. Find more Sharpwaves episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at ilae.org.